Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We're back here on the block. I'm Austin Orman. Strick stepped out for just a second, but that's all right. We're going to keep the college baseball conversation going with one of our favorites here on the block, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, a happy Wednesday to you and yours. How's it going today? Hey, Austin, doing well. How's it going with you? Things are great. Good weather outside. We're in the full swing of baseball season. Evan, I, I have to admit, I didn't get all that into college baseball till I don't know, probably three, four years ago. Didn't really follow it growing up as a kid, but I don't know why. I don't know what I was doing. I missed out on a lot. We're getting into, you know, regional time, and that's fun. Even conference tournaments are fun to follow, where you get a story like Tulane making the tournament. What was I missing? What, what was I doing? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, it's if you grew up in Omaha, like, you have the College World Series as sort of your annual summer activity and so i suppose you start following it a little bit more that way uh you know i mean it's an event that's definitely grown in the last like 10 years i mean you think back they didn't start televising the college world series until like the 90s and then you know it's only been in the last 10 years or so that we've had full blanket coverage of regionals and uh you know you can watch on espn like every score every every kind of piece of action that goes on so like it's really taken off in terms of being able to be consumed and and um you know there there are 300 schools and the chances are decent that there's probably one around you that's that's playing okay so I, i wouldn't put too much uh blame on yourself i think it's just a lot more easily accessible these days Fair enough. I would also say I was playing baseball in the summer a lot, so I didn't have as much time to sit down and watch it. So that's the excuse I'm going with. I appreciate you uh, cutting me a little slack there. I, I want to start with your College World Series picks. I agree with a lot of them. Who, which of those eight picks are you most confident in and which one are you least confident in? Well, you know, I, I think part of the challenge is, yeah, I mean, I could go chalk and, and, and just kind of play it safe, but what I've tried to do, Austin, when I make these picks is I'll go back over the last 10 years or so and, and try to look at the makeup of the field in terms of conference, in terms of seed, in terms of type of team that makes it. And oftentimes those trends continue. And so what the trends would tell you, first of all, is that roughly half of the field is going to be from the SEC. I think it's been five years in a row that you've had three or four College World Series participants being from that conference. So it's a pretty safe bet that half of that field is going to be from the SEC. Uh, and then the rest of it, you're probably going to get one or two from the Big 12. You're going to get one or two from the ACC. You're going to get probably one, maybe two from the Pac-12. And that's kind of it. I mean, with the exception of Michigan from the Big 10 in 2019, there really hasn't been another conference that's been represented, uh, I believe, since 2016. And so you're seeing uh, teams that are more financially backed, teams that are from warmer weather climates continue to be in this thing. And so that's sort of where I start from. One of my, my I'll give you my upset pick, first of all, uh, and that was Arizona, a team that was one of the last four in. And one of the reasons I picked them was because there's been, you know, we talk about like the 5-12 matchup in the basketball tournament, the NCAA basketball tournament. Well, there's been a three regional seed in the NCAA Uh, or in the College World Series in like nine of the last 11 years. So the chances are good that somebody is going to break through. And history recently would tell you that 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 profile of that team is going to be it's from a power conference, 
probably a power name that had a little bit of a down season and got hot. And that, to me, uh, described Arizona this year. So that they were sort of my outside-the-box pick. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of them were, were pretty straightforward. I mean, Wake Forest has legitimately been the number one team in the country for the second half of the season. They have the best pitching depth. Um, you know, LSU is familiar to anybody that follows the sport. They haven't been actually to Omaha since 2017, but they really retooled through the portal in the off season and, and have earned their chance to be a favorite. Um, you know, I actually filled out the rest of my SEC field with a couple of teams that are not hosting. You know, there are eight regional hosts from that conference, which is a record, but I picked the two teams that are, that are uh, hitting the road in Texas A&M and Tennessee. I just felt like uh, those were two teams that had a lot of hype last year, that had a lot of experience last year, and they're just not going to be intimidated by going on the road and, and trying to win some regional games. So, um, that, that would be some, and then I'll give you just one more. I thought um, Oklahoma State was one I probably struggled with the most just because the Cowboys tend to fizzle in regional sort of settings, and I, I really was tempted to go with Dallas Baptist as an upset pick there. But I think the Cowboys, having not won the Big 12 regular season or tournament, um, maybe gives them a little bit more chip on their shoulders than they have typically this time of year. So um, that's that's my Big 12 rep. So. You know, it could look terrible here in a couple of weeks, but um, at the very least, they're they're sort of informed based on history. Well, if it looks terrible, welcome to every bracket in history. You will not be the first. You will surely not be the last. Um, any thought given to Maryland and Iowa? Do they have a 50% chance to make supers? Are they just kind of happy to be there? Where do you put the Big Ten team's chances this postseason? Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny because – Iowa was not the Big Ten champ. Maryland was, but I think pretty objectively, you've got to like Iowa's road potentially more. I mean, they're at the Indiana State Regional, and that's a team that I think you can you poke a lot of holes in their resume for uh, hosting a regional in the first place. So you have a, a North Carolina they, – they play a North Carolina team right out of the chute that's without one of their best players in, in the Indiana State Regional. And if you come out of that thing – most likely you end up playing Arkansas. And as I think Nebraska fans have noted, um, you know, that's a team that's not been unbeatable at Baum Walker over the last few years. And, and Iowa has pitching depth that can contend with about anybody. So if you're talking about a Big Ten team's path, I think Iowa's is actually pretty strong. Um, you know, if you're Maryland, I think you probably have some qualms. And again, this is reminiscent of Nebraska 21 when they ran away with the Big Ten and their reward was to go to the number one overall national seed at Arkansas, well, Maryland's situation is similar, where they sweep the regular season and Big Ten tournament, and hey, you know, here, here's your prize. You get to go to Wake Forest that's been, like I mentioned, uh, the deepest team, maybe the most balanced team in the country to this point, and if you if somehow make it out of that, you get a, a 16 seed probably in Alabama that was underseeded, I think, based on, on its resume. So that's a a really difficult draw. Um, and then, you know, Indiana gets in as a, as a three seed as well. Um, and, and, and they, I think we're pretty cold down the stretch. Uh, I don't, I don't know how far you can expect them to go. They're in that Kentucky regional uh, starting off against a really good West Virginia team. And then LSU is on the other side and in, in, in the other regional. So, uh, you know, I, I would be shocked if the Hoosiers uh, continued beyond maybe three games in the regional. So I think it's pretty clear if you're pick, trying to pick a Big Ten team to, to do their best Michigan 2019 impression, it's got to be Iowa. We're a couple of weeks away from more baseball in Omaha. Uh, no Husker baseball, though, so we move on to the offseason. We, we know about Max Anderson. We know about Bryce Matthews. 
Emmett Olson, is he a top 10 round draft guy? Does he go? What What's his stock been like this year for MLB teams? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I think top 10 is, is, is a pretty safe bet for what I've heard and, and what scouts have maybe said about what he can do. I mean, he trained with Team USA last last off season, and so he was somebody that's been on scouts radar for a while. Uh, you know, he's a left-hander, which always helps the stock. He's He's got uh, a little bit more than what you might call kind of stock pitches, like he has a curve and, and some sort of unique um, offerings maybe that add to, to what he can do too. So, you know, we'll see how he, how he does. He's someone who has a little leverage as a junior who could come back or who could go pro. Um, so, yeah, I, I think when you talk about Nebraska and what it could look like in 24, it's him and it's Jace Kaminska is, are, are sort of the, the pivotal guys there where you say, well, I mean, they could both come back and they could uh, continue to anchor that rotation for another season or they could both leave and Nebraska would, would need to reset its Friday and Saturday starters so i think what where they go will inform their decision and that'll of course um inform what nebraska does and and, and the urgency with which it tries to replace its pitching moving into the offseason let's start with the pitching we were talking about that with nick and rico uh in our little crossover just about the core who is the the core of that pitching staff for nebraska next year i mean you see jake buns enter the transfer portal corbin hawkins retire you're down Shannon and Perry after long careers here. Uh, Olson's decision, Kaminska's decision. Who do you feel good about coming back for Nebraska next year right now? Yeah, it's it's going to look a lot different. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, say Olson and Kaminska move on, you've got Will Walsh, who's still around, uh, who you would probably feel like has earned a spot in that rotation, especially coming off what he did in the Big Ten tournament last week uh drew christo is somebody who's who's come along he had big expectations coming out of high school maybe this is uh the time that he realizes some of that jackson brockett has been a midweek and a weekend starter for them uh before so he could step into a little bit of a bigger role there um but really uh, that's about it i mean anybody else that's currently on the roster is going to have to take a step forward i mean caleb clark has the ability but he hasn't put it together consistently to this point. So that would be, I think, a big assumption to think that he would be ready uh, before he shows that. And then, you know, beyond that, it's going to be, who do you bring in? Is, uh, you know, you're going to count on some high school guys coming in. Uh, they've, they've looked at a couple of junior college players as well. Undoubtedly, they'll look to the portal uh, as they have the last couple of years with guys like Chance Roach and, uh, Dawson McCarvel and, 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 you know, they added a couple guys, even this, this last season as well. So you figure they're going to go back to the portal there, but yeah, there's, there's not sort of that next obvious wave of guys where you say, okay, they were decent in the midweek and now they're going to be weekend starters. So I think it, again, the portal is going to have to be a priority. Um, you know, it's a lot to ask a true freshman to come in and step into that weekend role. It can happen, but it's, it's not something you probably want to bank on. Um, and then the, just some of the players that I mentioned, if you can take another step forward, they can, uh, you know, be pretty decent contributors in that role. Um, the problem is you just haven't seen it to this point. So uh, I would say, yeah, there's there's a lot of work to be done to start feeling good about what the depth of this pitching could be into next season. Then on the offensive side, we were kind of talking through who that core group is. I settled on Dylan Carey, Josh Karen, um Remember, like Gabe Swanson, who took that big step this year, and then if he's healthy, I'm still in on on Garrett Anglum. 
is that an accurate place to start? Would you add anyone, take anyone off of that group? Um, no, I think that's, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, you start thinking through their, their lineup. I mean, Cole Evans probably be back and, and he's someone you feel good about. Um, Caden Brumbaugh was another name who was in the mix to be an, a regular in the outfield before he got hurt prior to the start of the season. So I think you'll see him step into a bigger role now that he'll be fully healthy next year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're placing your middle infielders. You've got really just Dylan Carey returning on the infield. Josh Karen, like you mentioned, Gabe Swanson sort of will, will elevate from kind of that unsung number three behind Matthews and Anderson to uh, sort of the face of that offense. So we'll see what that can look like. Um, and then again, I, I mean, to this point, some of the the junior college players that they're bringing in uh, have been heavier on the hitting side. I mean, so they Nebraska has been anticipating that they're going to have to replace a good chunk of their lineup. And I think that they learned from the 22 season just all the more how important it is to have an older and a veteran group too. So I'd be surprised if you rely too much on freshmen coming in. I think uh, much like last season, you're going to see a number of JUCO players, maybe a portal player or two like we had this year with, Casey Burnham and Charlie Fisher, um, and, and then you bank on that experience uh, sort of bridging that gap and leading to more of a seamless transition. Last thing for you then, Evan, going to the portal, you mentioned it with the pitching staff, you mentioned it with the lineup, and including the JUCO guys in there. Is that a sustainable way for Nebraska to, you know, get back to a regional two out of every three years? Because you see what happened with, you know, putting all that pressure on Anderson and Matthews after their freshman years. They slump as sophomores, obviously bounced back in a big way this year. But I guess a two-part question, the group that's coming back, are those guys ready for the pressure? And if not, is going through the portal a way to, you know, try to get them more comfortable and not put as much pressure on them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, I think, how college baseball construction is going to go these days. And I, I think ideally, and Nebraska coaches have said this, like you want to continue to build your foundation through high school recruiting and development, but you're going to want to supplement that every year with the portal, with junior college players still, so you know you can still get old and stay old. And I think we've seen the importance of that in college baseball. Um you know, when you're when you're fielding a team of 21, 22 year olds versus like 19 and 20 year olds, that translates in in how you see power numbers offensively. That translates in just mental and physical maturity and the grind of a you know 55 game regular season. Um, I, I think that there's just been a more of a priority on that and 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 identifying the value in that. So, I mean, I think what you've seen is probably going to be what you continue to see going forward, which is Nebraska brings in roughly 15 high school players. Um, you know, you're maybe five or so portal guys, roughly the same number of junior college, five to 10 junior college. And then you just assume the players are going to leave every year. And that's just how it goes. It's no indictment on individual, uh, an individual program, but it just is a reflection of the climate where guys are going to look for, opportunities elsewhere. Um, in some cases, they just want to be done. I mean, Corbin Hawkins was one of Nebraska's best relievers this year. He um, is done. He wants to be done with baseball. He had two years of eligibility 
remaining. So like sometimes that happens too, and we're still sort of coming out of the, the COVID year stuff. There's still about another cycle before we get through all of that. So I think that plays into what we've seen a little bit as well. But I think by and large, that's sort of just the, the formula right now is you build that base of high school, and then you find other players to fill in needs where you can. It's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald with us here on the block talking about Husker baseball. Evan, as always, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll look forward to reading your uh, regional, super regional college world series coverage and heck, maybe see you out at the ballpark one of those times. Sounds great, Austin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Once again, Evan Bland with us here on the block. We'll step aside, take a break, a uh, short segment before the top of the hour, and then we'll get into a busy hour two here on the block.